0: Good morning again. I greet you from Bridge of Hope in Kansas City. We say thank you for your prayers, for your commitment to God, uh, for your love for Jesus, for your humility to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, and to be the light that shines upon the hill for all to see. This morning, uh, I want to share with you, uh, because there's that clock, which is my enemy. I want to share with you, coming from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, uh, and we're going to look at 21 verses, because we want to take a look at this passage, because you see right out at the beginning, he talks about us to be the church, to be imitators of Christ, to be imitators of God. So I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard, And it reads like this, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly or coarse uh, gesturing, uh, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the, in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful. How you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit and speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We want to talk about there's a song, and I forgot who sang this song, it says Walk This Way. This is the way that God wants us to walk. If you look at Uh, In the last, in the chapter that's right before this, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul is making a statement to the church. He says for them, this I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. We cannot walk like the world if we are the body of Christ we walk in a different way. We live by a different rhythm. We have a different theology. We have a different value system. We have a different perception. We have a different world view. And we cannot allow the culture which is around us to influence us to be to infiltrate and dilute the word of God which then would then have no effect on those who hear it because it's something that is not effective and not powerful. If you want to know how the world began, because there's this concept of the Big Bang and there's the concept of the Big Bang theory that comes from a human perspective, there is such thing as the Big Bang because it came into being by the word of God. If we look at Genesis 1 1, and we look at John 1.1 1, 1, and we see that, 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 the big, that, that creation was created by the word of God who happens to be Jesus. And so there was this big bang. So we have to realize and understand how powerful God's word is. He is the living word, but also there is the written word in which is validated by him who is the very thoughts of God. So it's important for us not to allow the culture to come in and infiltrate and dilute and water down uh, what the church is to be. Paul had wrote a letter to the Corinthian church that had brought grief and remorse to them. But he did not regret sending the letter because he was addressing an issue that needed to be corrected. Listen to what he says. I now rejoice not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you will not experience any loss from us. For, God grieve, uh, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. Pastor Clinton and I were talking about this too many People out here who say if you pray a prayer, you'll be saved. I don't see that nowhere in the Bible. You hear people on TV, on the radio say, hey, follow us, say this prayer, and you just ask Jesus into your heart, and you will be saved. That's nowhere in the Bible. Conviction comes by the Holy Spirit. It brings this remorse that Paul is talking about. It brings the grief. It brings the pain that causes one to then to take a look at himself or herself of how they've been living. And they want to change how they're, because they changed the how they think about how they were living. And this, and this grief. This remorse and this pain leads to repentance. Repentance is, just, is not a, just a change of thinking, but it's a change of paradigms, it's a change of pattern, it's a change of how I want to live my life so I don't live according to the world or human philosophy anymore. I now embrace Christ and his perspective, in his way. When I got saved, the first thing I wanted to do, I said, Lord, I want to live your way. You have helped me through conviction to understand that my way is not the right way. Uh, The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that uh, what seems right to a man leads to death. And I was leading myself, and this world is leading itself straight to death. Repentance is more than just a change of mind about a subject or a specific issue. It is a change of influence which brings about change in our decision making paradigms. In other words, it is changing and turning from a false God to a true God. It is a commitment to God and His way of life which changes the total spiritual and moral direction of life. For this to happen, it sometimes takes a strong conviction or a remorse so deep that it provokes a search for something outside of our regular influence. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11, uh, the, 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 the preacher says this, that God set eternity in our hearts, which basically talks about without which man cannot find uh, out the work, much, uh, the work which God has done from the beginning to end. See, when we get convicted we began to look outside of ourselves. That's when we began to search for God because God has set eternity in our hearts. Eternity is not set in time. It's outside the realm. So we now begin to look outside of ourselves for something or someone who we can depend on. When you totally get to that point, to search for God, that's when we begin to uh, be convicted by the Spirit of God to which leads to salvation. We have to realize for this repentant mind to develop and to operate in the way that it can please God, it has to release the old way of thinking. You can't mix the two together. I remember when I was going to the clubs, and I would ask for my drink to be neat. Does anybody know what that means? Have you ever been to a club or to where you ordered a drink? Come on with me, somebody. <laughs> so I asked, I asked, I said, I want my drink neat. Why do I want my drink neat? I don't, I don't want ice in it, and I don't want anything to mix with it. I don't want my drink diluted. I wanted to feel the effects of the alcohol. My purpose, and I don't get this from a lot of people. people, some, people think they, some people say to me they drink because of the taste. Alcohol don't taste good. So my purpose was to get drunk. That was my purpose of drinking. So I didn't want anything to interfere with that, and I wanted to feel the effects of the alcohol. See, I want the Word of God neat. Y'all ain't heard none of what I just said. I don't want anything added to it. I want God to speak it to me by his power because I wanted to feel the effects of God's word that will change my whole perspective. I'm not trying to add or take away. I want to hear exactly what God says. As the body of Christ, we need to hear his voice and nothing added to it. And there's too many people right now being influenced by Satan to compromise the word of God. The Bible calls it renewing of the mind taken off your former way of life, the old self, and that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, to put on the new self, the one created according to God's lightening and righteousness and purity of truth. We have to totally surrender our minds to Christ so it can be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God is. In his book, One Blood by John Perkins, He states, we have put our own cultural preference and perceptions in place of a radical upside-down value, God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not the way this is. It's totally upside-down. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, he says, Jesus says, the last shall be first and the first last. But we have done everything we can to make ourselves first we don't understand god's value system cuz we have adopted to this value system we now have created celebrity pastors to where we bow down to them and basically make them the voice of god and not god himself we have seen these celebrity pastors have they have fallen And how it had affected the people because they didn't trust in God, but they trust in the man. We were talking the other day, and and, and one of the things is this is that we realize and understand is that when we look at the woman at the well in John 4, we see that Jesus had affected her so much because he was the one that was speaking to her. So she was getting the word neat. And it changed her heart to where she went back to a city that shunned her and looked at her in a very negative way, but God sent her back to be an evangelist to go to the very people who misused her and to share about him being the Christ. And then she, she they, they then, because of her, go back to meet him, go to meet Jesus, and then after they met Jesus, they go back to her. We go to him not because of you anymore, but because we've met him ourselves. Pastor Clint is a voice of God. And when you come, you're going to say, Pastor Clint said this and Pastor Clint said that. That's fine because you're listening, but there needs to be a transfer from Pastor Clint to what Jesus says. Because Pastor Clint is not your God. He's a voice of God. He is not your Savior, but he is the voice of the Savior that God uses. I tell people I can't walk on water because I want to. I can't change people's hearts because I don't have that capability. I couldn't change mine, so I certainly can't change yours. I also share with them the humility of my imperfection. I have issues. I struggle with things in life, just like any other human being. But yet I want people to realize, just because I am a sinner, but I am a man of God, that if I make a mistake, I want to to show you how to get up and not lie there and wallow there. I want people to realize that there is no man and no woman who stands before you who is perfect, but should have the humility to share with you that I am this wretched man, as Paul called himself, that he is the chiefest of sinners. See, as the body of Christ, I have to look at myself in the right perspective. There's too many voices out there that have been deluded, that will have you believe because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you that you are no longer a sinner. Oh, I beg to differ because the Word of God tells me in 1 John chapter 9. He said, If you confess, if you say that you are not a sinner, then the truth is not in you and that you are a liar. You're trying to make God out of a liar. It is the Word of God that we need. In purity that will help to change the very perception. And also, too, we have to be very careful who we hang with and who we deal with. The Bible teaches us in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and 34, he said, Paul tells the church, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your sins and stop sinning, for some people are ignorant about God, and I say this to your shame. Know the word of God so you won't be deceived. So we have a problem in the church today because we're trying to integrate human perception with God's wisdom. in in, in, In a lot of instances, we are allowing the perception to invalidate God's command by teaching the precepts as though they are equal or superior to God. Jesus shared that in Matthew 15 with the Pharisees. As they were, they, they had been walking for a long period of time, and his disciples were hungry, so they start eating the grain. And they said, wait a minute, y'all need to wash your hands. Jesus made a point to them. He said, why, he says, why are you, the, the, the Pharisees said, why are you allowing your disciples to transgress the traditions of the elders? And Jesus says, answer the question right back. I love how he deals with people, not condemning, but not attacking, but asking a question. Why are you allowing your traditions to supersede or invalidate the commands of God? And this is what we're seeing in the body of Christ. It's becoming man-centered and not Christ-centered. We are compromising the word of God because of intimate relationship we have with human beings or with our children. We see things that that are happening that are contrary to the will of God, but yet and still we look at our children and we say, well, okay, that's my son, that's my daughter. I may have to look at the word of God differently because of their lifestyle. And we begin to compromise and invalidate the word of God based on my love that I have for my children. So guess what? My children become my God. And I bow down to what they want. I was listening to Tony Evans not, to, not too long the other day. And he said to, to parents, start telling your children who they are from birth. So the world doesn't confuse them about their true identity. Identity. The church has a responsibility. One of the things that we realize and understand that we, we battle not as flesh and blood because our warfare is not fleshly but spiritual. You know what our weapon is? When you go to the book of Ephesians and, and look at chapter 6, you see the armor, Correct? But when you get to 17, that, last, that second half of verse 17, right, you see that our weapon, we only have one, and it is the Word of God. We see it in action in Matthew 4 when, when the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to deal with Satan, right? How did he defeat him? With the Word of God. We have to help teach our children how to wield that weapon, that dagger. How to be able to use that sword in such a way that it defeats Satan and exposes him. We have to become people of the truth. Paul told Timothy that the church is supposed to be the pillar and the foundation of truth. So when we get to Ephesians 5, which talks about, if we look at the book of Ephesians, it, it's set up, and some people say it's set up in, in two parts. I say it's set up in three parts. I, I tend to do things differently. <laughs> because when I look at Ephesians 1 through 3, we tell, it talks about how we got into the body of Christ. matter of fact, the book of Ephesians is a picture, it's a portrait, as Chuck Swindoll says, it's a picture of the church. But when we look at verses Chapter 4 and chapter 5, we see the operation of the church, how the church is supposed to operate. And we look at the second half of chapter 6, we see how the church is supposed to stand. But we want to take a look at how we're supposed to operate. Looking at chapter 5, starting at verse 1, he tells us right up: we got to be imitators of God as beloved children. We imitate our parents because we love God them? The question is, that the church love Christ as they should. There is this thing called the great commandment, is it not? To love God with all the heart, mind, soul, mind, and strength, right? And he says this, this is added on, this is what Jesus says to them, and to love thy neighbor as you what? Love thyself. Love is the primary commodity and the primary foundation of the Christian faith. It is the signature that supposed to be exposed, and people should know that Christians are loving godly people. The church should have a reputation as being sacrificially loving folk instead of being having a reputation, a reputation of condemning people because of their sin. And that's the reputation that the church in this country is beginning to have, a church that is condemning and not loving. Now, loving doesn't mean that we compromise truth to accommodate the one who is sinning. No, we don't do that. But we share the truth out of love based on the fact that we love them. One of the problems that we have is that we're afraid to share love Uh, and truth to people because we're afraid that we're going to lose a loved one. We're afraid we're going to lose a relationship. We're afraid we're going to lose a friend. And so we say nothing, which basically means I care more about myself than I do them. If I love you, I share the truth with you, regardless of how the outcome would be. Jesus did that to the world. did they do they crucified him and yet while he was being crucified he prayed to the father father forgive them for they know not what they do i don't condemn people who don't agree with what i say but i love them by sharing what god has given me to know the church has three things that it must do, four things in order to imitate Christ. One, the first thing, I'm going to try to go look. because I'm looking at that clock, my enemy. <laughs> we have to walk in the conduct of his love. And to walk in the conduct of his love, that should be the expression of our walk. I tell this to our congregation all the time, is that too many times when I was walking uh, uh, when I was unsaved and, and, and the church well, I would always tell people, "Well, Jesus loves you." Well, that's all they would say. Where's the expression of it? Where's the expression of that love? When we look at John, First John chapter three, he talks about, "Do not love in word and in tongue but in deed and in truth. See, if we are the church, and if we are imitating Christ, we must walk in love, and that love needs to be expressed. Let me just give you some things right there, three things that you need to know how to do. That. In verses 1 and 2, it must be a sacrificial walk. Why? He gave up his life for us. If you're going to love people, you got to give up your life sacrificially. Your life is not your own. You know you've been bought with a price, right? Or do you know that? Your life is not your own. You do not rule it unless you have pushed Jesus off the throne of your life and you now sit back on it. So it must be a sacrificial life, but it also must be a sanctifying walk. He talks about it in our conduct and our communicating. We should not be talking like the world talks. We ought not be laughing at the things that the world laughs at. It should be a sheltered walk. Why should it be a sheltered walk? Because uh, 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 I'm walking according to God's word with the right heart of the implementation which shelters me from God's wrath and Satan's influence. See, when I walk in love, God shelters me, and he protects me. Look at verse 6. It says this, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. See, if I walk in love, I'm protected. If I walk in in his word, I'm protected. So if we're going to walk in this expression of love, it has to be a sacrifice, a sacrificing love. It has to be a sanctifying love. I'm set apart. I'm not of the world anymore. I do not operate as the world. I don't laugh at the same things. You know, people laugh at people's imperfections. People make fun of people's ethnicities. People belittle God's creation and laugh at it. The church should not be laughing, but the church should be loving. The second thing the church should be doing is to walk in the character of his life. That is the effectiveness of the walk. To walk in the character of his life is the aspect of exposing what's in the dark. Somebody walk with me just a little bit. That's an effective walk. You know, when when I go to the gym and when I come into the locker room, people are in there and they're talking locker room talk. But when I come in or I come on the gym floor, people tend to say, oh, here come the preacher. And they begin to change the way they behave. Why? The light just came, dark. Say it again. The light just came. And when I come in, it's not me, but the light within me, what Paul said, is not me, but Christ who lives in me. He had just walked into the room, even though I tell him, you know, God is everywhere, right? (laughs) (laughs) But as the church, we are to come in and to expose the things of the darkness. And understand this, when people, when you shed light on their conduct and behavior, they don't realize what they've been doing. And when they realize it, they become ashamed of what they've been saying and doing. This walk is is, is what we are changed by the light. He delivers us from darkness. We are defined by the light. I love it because we can take ourselves out of darkness. He has to do it. That's why he says he transferred us. I can't, I can't open my eyes to see truth. Why? Because I'm blinded by the truth. That's what the Bible says about Satan. Satan veils and blinds people's eyes to the gospel. But as a child of God, I expose What's in the dark? Because my eyes have been opened. We are, we, we, we are characterized by the light. We are changed by the light, and we're characterized by it. That means walking in respect of love, in goodness, walking in relationship with the Lord. That's righteousness. Walking in the reality of truth, of the reality of life. That's truth. My whole way of living has changed because my respect of love is good. I respect all people, regardless of your ethnicity or the color of your skin. And we're gonna talk about that probably downstairs. I got a lot to say about that. (laughs) Because we have fallen into the trap to begin to look at the outside and misinterpreting what we see, and we have followed the line and the influence of the culture to define what we misinterpret in a wrong way. Do you know skin color don't have a behavior? Can I say that one more time? Skin color doesn't have a behavior, but we have given color behavior. And we have forgotten, which the world doesn't know, that all people are created in the image of God. And it's not the skin color or the outside package that is important. It's the heart. I help people now. God, thank God for Jesus. He helped me because he's given me light, some understanding about truth. so I help people to overcome their racism, even in the church because we've been blinded by that. But the church, however, and when we walk in the character of the light, we also, we have been commissioned by the light. We, by the light in verses 11 and 14, we are to be spiritual influenced, betraying the light of Christ by speaking truth to expose the lies, living a life of love and compassion for those who are lost, and living in righteousness to expose Christ as Christ and giving an example of holy living. It's our responsibility to expose this stuff. Instead of being quiet, guess what Pastor Clint did in that article, in that newspaper? He exposed lies by shedding light on gender. Come on with me, somebody. I just love this guy, man, you know, because he's standing for truth. Man, I just hug you right now. Uh, and that's good because guess what? All while I'm here, I'm listening. This church has a spiritual and Fundamental foundation of truth. Why? Its leaders stand on truth. How do I know that? Man, I talked to Dennis and Joyce. Y'all ain't hearing me, doc. (laughs) I'm talking with them, man. These people I'm standing with. So I'm talking with them, and they're sharing. God has blessed them to live to leave a legacy, a heritage for their children. All their children standing on truth. All their grandchildren standing on truth. There's a recipient right there. Look at these kids right next to him. And that's because of this church and their relationship with God. We must walk in the consciousness of wisdom. We cannot act like we don't know anything. We have the wisdom of God. He says in verse 15, therefore be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as what? It's wise. Are you you want to know what wisdom is? Go to Proverbs. It's the fear of God. Proverbs 3, do not trust in your own, come on with me somebody, in your own understanding but what? Trust in, in God. I trust no man. I like, I like doing this analogy because it is it, sometimes uh, fool with people. See, if my wife were here, I would point to my wife and say, I don't trust my wife. <laughs> and people would say, oh, oh, something must be wrong. No, I don't trust my wife. Shoot, I don't trust me. I don't trust me. I'm a human being, dog. I falter. I can say something one day in at at this moment and truly mean it, In the next minute, oh, I'm not going to do that. So I trust God because he blessed me with my wife, which then I can trust my wife. Amen. My trust in my wife comes from God, not from her. He gave me my wife, so I trust her. Oh, that's, can I just say this right quick? Don't trust the vaccine. Trust that God blessed man with the wisdom to create the, to come up with the vaccine. So you can take the vaccine. Don't worry about it. Cause guess what? God is already ordaining. Come on with me, somebody. Why you? Okay, I'm gonna say that. We walk carefully, being sober and not alert. In other words, I don't walk being influenced by the world which creates doubt in my mind. My mind must be filtered and focused on the word of God, which means I walk stably, and and I also walk convincingly, walking in a way of persuasion or evidence of change because the life is short and destructive. Listen, I walk in confidence. I walk carefully, but I walk confidently because guess what? God's word is true. We also walk comprehensively. Why? I understand it. I must all walk in the communion with the Holy Spirit, which is the empowerment of the walk. The the, the consciousness of wisdom is the enlightenment of the walk, and communion with the Holy Spirit is the empowerment of the walk. People have forgotten about the third person of the Trinity. Do y'all know people in the church still call it call him an it? That helps me to realize you don't know the image of God. God is not an it. He is a person, three distinct personalities. Let me just share with you because i trying to, you know, I, I was talking to Pastor Clem and and I'm um, helping teenagers to be able to defend the Bible and defend God without using the Bible. Because you have to deal with that. Here's the concept, you get kind of frustrated. Let me just help you. (laughs) Creation. We know that matter, space, and time was created. Everybody knows that, right? Raise your hand if you don't know that. Then we'll just have to sit you down and go uh, back to elementary school. So everybody knows that, right? It was created. So guess what? So whoever created could not be in space, time, and matter. So that means that whoever created whatever created has to be spaceless, timeless, and immaterial, correct? But it has to be a person. Why does it have to be a person? Because that person has to make a decision to create. That person also has to have the power to bring it in to floration. And that person must be intelligent to have it to operate the way that it does. that's simple to say help people to realize guess what it's god who created all of this and i didn't use one verse from the bible to come up with that that's just the reality of it but also true there's one thing else there's standards people say there no absol- absolutes well i beg to differ you ask anybody is murder wrong come on with me somebody cuz if you say yes something wrong, (laughs) murder is wrong, lying is wrong. There are are standards, there are absolutes that we all accept. Now, if there were none, that means that all morals are opinionated. All morals are somebody's opinion about what's right and wrong. That means all morals are relative to the individual or subjective to the individual. But we do realize that everybody says that murder is wrong. And you know that because you have a what? A conscience. So we walk in the communion of God's Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the wall, to be controlled by the Spirit, to be communicated. We communicate through the Spirit, and we show the compassion through the Spirit. See, this is what he does. We don't have this. All right? Verse 18, he gives the analogy, and I just talked about it, right? One analogy is this, don't be drunk with wine. How many have you ever been drunk before? That's right. God bless your heart. Let's be real. And did you ever try to control yourself while you, were, while you were drunk? Did you ever try to take over the alcohol? You know, when people you get stopped by the police, they want you to walk a straight line. That's very simple, right? But when you're drunk, you can't overcome the alcohol. And there's people who are trying to overcome the influence of Satan on their own power, and can't do it. So he says, be, that means that if you fill with, the, with alcohol, you're controlled by the alcohol. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Guess what? So you can be controlled by the Spirit. People say, I need patience. Well, let the Spirit fill you. Because one of the characteristics is patience. I need to love more. Well, let the Spirit of God fill you, because the first characteristic is love. I need to learn how to be more kind. Well, that's the Spirit of God. And he tells us to be filled with the Spirit of God, which means that it's not a one-time action. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time action, but not being filled with the Spirit. Why? Because we have two natures, and they oppose one another. So we must be subject to one or the other. The one that I feed the most is the one that's gonna be in more control. And that's the thing that we have to be focused on. So, I couldn't get to where I really wanted to get because that enemy is over there. (laughs) But to be the church, we must be imitators of God. The first thing that we have to do is to be able to make sure that we walk in the conduct of love. That should be the signature of the Christian. The second thing, we must walk in the character of the light. And I gave you those understandings, right? The respect of love, that's goodness. Relationship with the Lord, that's righteousness. And walking in the reality of life, that's truth. We also, we must walk in the consciousness of his wisdom. That's the enlightenment. That means that we must allow him and his word become our mindset. We must think the way, the same way that Jesus thinks. We must allow his paradigm, his pattern, his way of thinking to become ours. But we must have the humility and recognize that we must let some things go. There are some people who are still holding on to things in their minds that are saying it's truth and it's not truth. You got to let it go. You got to let it go because that's interfering with your walk. But then the church as well, we have to walk in the communion with the Holy Spirit, and that's the power. If we're going to be the church, if we're going to imitate Christ, we must surrender totally. We must grow in our humility. This world is dying. There's loved ones who are dying, people that you know who are dying, they're going to hell right now at this moment. But if we're going to be the church, We must allow him to manifest himself, and we must stand on truth. We can't compromise it. We live in right now. There's too much stuff going on. Too much stuff going on. It's political. It's racist. And also it's fear. Paul says, God did not give us the spirit of fear. Why are we afraid? Why are we even afraid of death? That means that talks about our immaturity. Because as the as church, as a child of God, I should not fear death. But why do I fear it? Because I'm immature and I still want to play with my toys. I should not fear death. It's a welcome thing. You ask Paul. Paul said that's the best thing that he ever, he, he could want is to be with Christ. But he knows he has to be here and to suffer some more. Why? Because of us. We should not be afraid of, in First John chapter 4, he says, there is no fear in love. Let's be bold. Let's be bold and stand on the word of God. We're going to be attacked. Jesus said so. He said, the world going to hate you because what? Hated me first. I ain't here to please folk. I'm sorry. I ain't here to entertain people. How many of y'all know well, Sammy Davis Jr.? Oh, that's talking to the old folk now. God bless your heart. Michael Jackson. Beyonce. All these people, right? What I tell, the reason why I mention these names is because I'm not your entertainer. I don't come up here to entertain anybody. I come up here to be a voice for God. Amen. And understand this, I ain't here, and God is not here to tickle your ears. Truth sterilizes people. Truth purifies read John 6 and you find out when he said drink my blood and eat my body all those people who follow him ran away but he came to his 12 what about you and Peter being who he is said where shall we go you have the words of eternal life father thank you for you thank you For loving us in such a way that you looked past our trespasses and saw our need. And you came up with a plan that you will have to come and take the debt that we committed on our own by sending your son to die for our sins. But not only to die for our sins and, and to shed his precious blood, which is the payment of our ransom, but you also imputed into us your righteousness, which we never had before. So now, Father, as you see us, you see your Son's righteousness. His resurrection is one that brought forth life, is the receipt of our salvation. May we now, Father, not take advantage of it and and, and just say, well, we're going to heaven. Father, may we submit to your authority to be your body, to be willing to suffer for your sake, to be willing to die for your sake, to share truth because people need to hear your truth. In in this passage, script, you said, because the days are drawing near. The days are evil. Bless us, Father, with courage boldness to stand on your truth knowing that you will never leave us nor forsake us and so lord we ask this in jesus name amen